Hi friends, welcome to the Life Stories Podcast. My name is Kyle. I am the lead pastor of Life Community Church in Roseville, California. And because I'm a pastor, I get to hear amazing stories all the time. And I just think to myself, I wish other people could hear these stories. And so today we're with one of the people that is instrumental in me starting this. Uh, We sat down for lunch at Garden of Eden a while back and... Uh, afterwards, he said, hey, have you thought about doing a podcast? He's like, I have, but I've never done it. He's like, you should do that. And here we are today. The reason we do this Life Stories podcast is twofold. One, I hope as you hear part of the story, you relate to it so you can say me too. But secondly, I hope as you see how God works in someone else's life, you realize how God is already at work in your own life. So today, I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Ryan Rebel. Am I saying your last name right? Uh, Rebel. Uh, and uh, I think you're the reason I'm doing this podcast, but you're also, um, I wish people could see it. Uh, your interview is the only one that started with you taking your shirt off at the very beginning. Uh, for those people who weren't in the room, set the context so I don't set like a creep. But why were you taking your shirt off a minute ago? I was a big Hulk Hogan fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to just dominate. He just ripped it off. Yeah, well, um, we were talking about like your marquee verse in the Bible, what's your favorite one? And I was quizzing Kyle on that. And then he said, what's yours? And I said, well, I actually have it tattooed on my back. Psalm 3418, and it's on a cross that kind of wraps itself around a scar. And, uh, and so Kyle said, Can I see it? And of course, uh, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I was already that far down the path, and I had to see it through. So that's where I ripped the shirt off like Hulk Hogan, so he could see my dominance. I love it. Uh, and so on your back, there's a cross, there's Psalm 38, 3418. What does it say? It is the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. And there's a reason you got that verse, which is what we're going to get to. But there's also a scar on that. That's right. Um, We're going to get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, Ryan, where did you grow up? What was life like growing up? (sighs) Well, um, Quincy, California. That's that's Northern California. It's in the heart of the Sierra Nevadas. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, population 5,000. Now the population is 5,000. So <laughs> Rapidly <years>. growing <laughs> yes. suburb. Yeah. So um, we got a stoplight, I think, in the late 90s. Big time. Yeah. And we as townspeople just got lawn chairs and we <laughs> sat around and watched the light change. And <laughs> there she goes. She's going yellow. <laughs> so it's a big deal so now quincy boasts two spotlights and it's it was just a magical place to grow up i got to hunt and fish and run around and mm. do my own thing and uh it was it was a truly awesome place to work out my sisters would disagree <laughs> but i loved every second of it that's cool yeah and then you went off to college where'd you go to school humboldt state oh. university how'd you decide you want to go there um, I, th- I wanted to be a game warden, and, and they had a great wildlife program. Okay. And everybody else went to Chico, and I wanted to just be different. And a big p- part of it was the cost of living. Mm. Um, so they had a really good cost of living at so compared to some of the other places I looked at. So um, I went up there, kind of sight unseen, and decided to go to Humboldt. And a funny story, that I went to the very first party at Humboldt, and 
it was really strange because it was really packed in 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 the backyard and in Quincy. What we did for entertainment was there was always a fist fight invariably, and so never like a hundred percent of the time, uh-huh. like ten out of ten, there'd be some sort of drama, some sort of fist fight, and the townspeople go around. Same guys looking at traffic sight, you know, <laughs> lights turn. So, anyways, it's super crowded in some guy's backyard, and, and I'm looking around, going, "Oh man, I wonder who it's gonna be, who's got beef." So, you know, and uh, at the end of the night, everybody just kind of went their own ways, and nobody fought. And I, that was my—I f- was shocked. I'm like, I can't believe I've never seen this many people and no drama. So that was like my first college experience. Like, whoa, nobody fought. That, that was, was like, your college orientation. It was incredible. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's something that that really transformed your life is you started playing sports now help me understand this somehow you started playing football but you weren't very good at football and it made you good at rugby or something help help, help me help me understand you're the only person uh i've had on this show uh who was kind of an olympian so uh, oh how, man. how does how did this how did this work you were a, a yeah. bad football player so they kicked you off and put you on the rugby team so uh that there's a lot to unpack there but um i'm extremely late bloomer like okay. Wildly late. Uh-huh. Like um, you hit puberty in your mid twenties. Like almost. It was really bad. Like high voice. You know, it was really rough. So in high school, uh, it was evident that I was not going to be the uh, high school superstar. You know, you okay. know, I weighed like a buckle five, no hair, high voice. I would answer the phone, and people would think it was my sister, my mom. It was really tr- dramatic, especially for like a kid who has a lot of macho tendencies <laughs> it was rough so um you know what i had to, and squeaking. You, you know what i had to do it was awful i had to play soccer oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you were talking about a kid who loves football and just wanted to like date a cheerleader his uh-huh. whole life and no i i was perpetually in the friend zone in high school <laughs> playing soccer so that was rough okay yeah so um after high school i finally started to grow a little bit and um and, and, you know, when I'd play soccer, I would get carded all the time because I really liked the physical contact. So I decided that I wanted to play f- college football. So I walked on to the HSU uh, football team. And what position did you play? Um, well, the first year I was wide receiver. And they were kind of excited when they saw me come out and they tested the 40. And, you know, I had like all the attributes, but uh-huh. I didn't know what I was doing. So, um I was basically like the village idiot out there, like no idea what I was doing. And they don't have any patience for that. So I was basically like black bulb. Everybody hated my guts. And uh, do you remember your 40 time? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I can tell you that on grass, I ran a four or five on grass. Yeah. Not that first year, but the second year after I trained all year, a the four first or five on grass. Yeah. No one. If you're not a sports person, you have no idea why my voice just shot up for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're. So you became an athlete late in life. Really late. Yeah. Um. And but football again. People are wondering. Wait. There's no Olympic football team. So what happened? You need to stop using the word Olympic. <laughs> if my friends ever hear this, <laughs> I'm never gonna hear the end of it. I hope so. Um. Uh, so. Well. Um. I'll just finish the the football thing. So the first year, everybody hated me. And then the second year, I told the head coach that I wanted to switch positions into defense because I had I wanted to hit people. <laughs> I was tired of being the village idiot and everybody hating me. And somebody had to pay, and I, and I was, like, too stubborn to quit. So um, 
yeah, so I decided to play strong safety. Still didn't know what I was doing, but on the hitting drills is when I got my vengeance. And uh, I caught the eye of a gentleman named Reggie Bolden, who's the coach, and he goes, you know what? I like this kid. I'm going to put him on the the wedge-breaking team. He's going to be my lead wedge-breaker on yeah. kickoff team. And Back before that was illegal. Yeah. And so, and I was up for it. I'm like, people are going to die today. It may be me, but I don't care. I'm going out in a flame of glory. So, and uh, it was against uh, Colorado School of Mines, and the kickoff went, and I ran down there like Braveheart, and I just literally killed people. And, and by the end of the game, like, people were chanting my number because you didn't have your name on there, so nobody knew who I was. They were just chanting my number. Like for, the, for, the, for the special teams wedge breaker smashing <laughs> killing people and so after that i was like on all uh, i made all the teams and was so i had a whole lot of success just running down and running into the wall so that was my uh, college football career You're, yeah. you, you were the bowling ball essentially i was knocking and I, down the and pins. i would just hit people and like in practice people would never wanted to go against me because i was like taking out like all this chip on my shoulder and all this just years of uh, frustration being made fun of for being one of the sisters yes exactly and they got to feel it so I, oh. I was a really good hitter and nobody wanted any of that because basically practice was my super bowl and nobody wants <laughs> to go against that like guys that played on the week they don't want any part of this <laughs> oh i love it so um that i got a, a good friend of mine named uh, josh Naff. he's like oh you should come out for rugby you know stay in shape and um, so I came out for rugby and so I'd you played rugby, not cause you wanted to play rugby, but you wanted to be in shape for football. Just, yeah, that was it more or less. And then, um, you know, the coach got a look at me, his name's Chris Byrne. He's still a really dear friend of mine and a, a fellow Christian. And, um, he's had a lot to do with, like with my life and the direction of it. And, uh, he basically just centered the entire, you know, he caught one look at me out there. He's like, no, I'm centering the entire game plan around you you can't miss and you just built everything and all of a sudden I was getting attention for the first time in my life huh. and then you know he basically sat me down and it was the first time er you know anybody had ever said listen you can be great you can do this there's the sky's the limit I've never seen anything like it and I was just blown away because I always had just this chip on my shoulder that I was not any good you know Wow. so that was instrumental so he set up um a meeting with uh, Bing Dawson, who ran the Ombat Club down in San Diego, and that's kind of like a <laughs> I hesitate in this word, but like a like a semi-pro. You okay. know, you know, you get to fly around all the different cities, and they pay you in like chicken nuggets. And that's you know, awesome. Uh, yeah, the the twenty piece though, chicken. Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, okay. you know, they don't skimp out, but yeah. yeah, you get to travel around, and that's all I wanted to do because I'd mm. never been anywhere coming from Quincy. And you know, he's like, if you're any good, we'll send you abroad, and you know, to get get your experience up uh, is that because all the best rugby is overseas totally. and if you wanted to grow you can play year-round go season to season all that kind of stuff it's well it's just rugby is like the stepchild here in america yeah it's gotten better now but back then i mean we were playing on fields that had manholes and glass i mean it was bad yeah and uh so yeah saying it's the stepchild here might be giving it too much <laughs> right credit so you're 22 i'm guessing at this point yeah and you're kind of either in San Diego or traveling around playing rugby. And this is the first time you said, not only can I be good at this, but you got attention 
which was powerful. Totally, and I for loved, you. Yeah, it was a big deal for me. So I was I was going set to go, you know, start a job, and now mm-hmm. I'm like get to play on this team and get to see how good I really can be, you know, because I blew up the college scene and was uh-huh. you know score three tries every game, and I'm like, let's see what I can do against some other athletes. A try for those you don't know is 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 the rugby equivalent of a touchdown. Sorry, I'll translate for folks That's out right. there. Uh, well, it's I don't want to get off topic, but um, rugby came from soccer, mm-hmm. and, our, and our football, which they call gridiron, came from rugby, and they basically okay. just split the line, you know, from the scrum, and they split it from the offensive line and defensive line. I could go on, but and so like the remember when I said in the podcast, I want people to be able to relate to yeah, this. You, you can, just you yeah. just totally submarine my yeah. <laughs> vision for well, this. You could totally edit this out, but the, cor- <laughs> the rugby equivalent of a quarterback is scrum half. Scrum, scrum half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so like the backs are like the wide receivers and you know, they're prima donnas just like our football, you know, receivers. <laughs> yeah. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you started getting good and I, I, I like to say you were an Olympian. You're like pushing that away because your friends are going to find you. And, but, but you got, you got good. You got really, really good. So you don't want to say this. You're a humble guy, but so but you were at the highest level of kind of American rugby, which my, and this is like the top tier team, yeah. the on back. And they have like, three or four sides so they start me off on one side and then go to the other side and so the first year I made my way all the way up to like this they call it the Super League team which wow. is the team that travels all across the nation like mm-hmm. we play in DC and our you know one weekend New York the next weekend Colorado like every weekend the we American get, rugby version yeah. of going from the minor league baseball to playing in the show yeah, but their show is like our my like our single A or maybe double A. I'm best. trying to build you up. Yeah. You're trying to tear yourself down. I, I just down, want Ryan. I want perspective here. Good, I yeah. appreciate that. He's yeah. trying to be humble. I'm trying to be inflammatory. But, so from then they said, okay, he's got talent, but he's raw. So then they sent me over to New Zealand to live. So I went and uh, played over there. Came back, played another season, and became much uh, dirtier player. You know, they call this thing called. Um, it's called like rucking is when you like yeah. you know what that is i do yeah well there's anyways you put your cleats on the back of someone's back mm-hmm. and, you know I, w- I thought i would never do that but i found myself doing that a lot when it, you come back from new zealand and so then i went and played over in scotland over in europe the, the next season and then that's when i first started to get a sniff with the um or the national team it's called usa rugby team okay so what was it like when you got that phone call <sighs> Well, I remember it, it was it was two different times. One was for 15 and it was in an email and it was the best feeling that I've ever had to that point. Like, cause like all your dreams are starting to be realized. And so I remember it distinctly. The first time it was an email, I was on cloud nine. And then the other time was a phone call and, it, and that was for 15s. And I got to go to Chula Vista, the Olympic training center and uh, play there with a the team and just do to- total tryouts. It's basically like, um, like a combine, but also with live playing. So you do all the combine drills, and then you get to play live, and then they select their team from there. Hmm. So, so here you are uh, living your best life. Uh, you got a girlfriend at this time? No. No girlfriend? No, no way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was pretty, like, focused. And you were focused? You were in it to win it? Yeah. Okay. And then I what ha- happened? You get called to Chula Vista, and then what? So – um, yeah, so that we did all the things and I tested really well on everything. Um, 
you know, like do the vertical jump, the, you know, you do the 40 time, you do the shuttle run. And I was like, you know, there's probably like 30, 40 guys. And I was like top three or one in all of them, you know, on all the events. Cause I'd done nothing but train for this, you know, and other guys had other jobs and, uh, something happened before I had some cockamamie job and then uh, I was just like on disability and really all I was doing is training for hmm. this moment and then to finally realize it and then perform really well and I had an amazing camp and uh, pr- you know played really well and on the last day the last play um, I, I got horse collared is what they call it you know when you get pulled backwards and you get mm-hmm. pulled back on your leg and that's why the, the reason they outlawed it in NFL yeah. this exact injury so it was a spiral leg break up my fibula, like where the bone kind of comes out. It didn't pierce my sock, but you could see that it yeah. punctured through, and then the ankle broke as well. Wow. Yeah, and the last play last day. And so, um, you know, you just got to wonder, you know, why did God do I was very young in my spiritual yeah. faith. So yeah. you know, looking back, it's pretty clear that I was mismanaging um, any sort of gifts that he'd given me. Yeah. <laughs> but back then I didn't know, like, hey, well, you know, what's <laughs> going on here? Why would you do that? I come this far and then have this happen. Yeah. And but so, that's a real question. God, what, what God, why did you let this happen? Or why did this happen? Or whose fault is it? Is it your fault? My fault? I don't know. I don't want, it's easier to blame you than blame myself. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't in the rain. Like, why? But yeah. I'm like, well, you know, you're thinking, what's the deal? You know, I dedicated myself to this and then get this far and then break looking back again at the risk of sounding repetitive i was definitely mismanaging the gifts that he had given me you know yeah. it's just out you know chasing girls coming to you know when i did go to church it was hung over you know yeah. from the night before and and uh, i it just i was i guess being young in your um spirithood you you doing things for the wrong reasons you're thinking well if i you know show honor and respect God then he's going to reward me with everything that I want and mm-hmm. I just so I had everything backwards I didn't realize that it wasn't all about me yeah you know so that was the that's, that's where good. I yeah that's where I came out with so that you one. break your leg mm-hmm. um and then what so that kind of took me down another road um USA rugby they were great they pay for all the medical bills and everything but they're not going to pay rent you know not going to make a car payment so I'm like oh yeah I got to get a real job again so um I got a job in La Jolla I was a financial planner and that kind of lent itself to me getting serious with a girl and then we moved in together as I was healing you know going getting going through rehab and getting all healed and so I'm like I need to start paying bills you know so um Anyways, so she ended up identifying a uh, like a mole on my back, and she was really adamant about me getting it checked out. I kept blowing it off. She kept making the appointment. You're the first guy I've ever met who blows off right. his significant other's right. concerns about their skin condition. I was 100% convinced I was invincible. So I'm like, you yeah, know, yeah I'll get, if it's ugly, I'll get it removed. That's about the My wife cannot relate to this conversation right. at all. So anyways, uh, I finally go in and they get it removed. And then the, the doctor's calling me, blowing me up. And I've already started a new job. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I'm like, he calls and I'm like, yeah, hey. And he's like, yeah, it's Dr. So-and-so. And I um, just need to let you know that that sample came back melanoma. And he said melanoma, but I heard malignant, you know, because I couldn't even fathom that I could have cancer, you know, at a, at a younger age, in my mid-20s. So I'm like, great, so everything's good. And he's like, no, stupid. Uh, you have, like, a really aggressive cancer, so we need to get you in here ASAP. So um, 
that was kind of shocking but i was in complete denial and i was like listen they switched the samples another lady gave her you know sample at the same time it's not me i was convinced he's like all right well just amuse me and come in and and we're gonna go look into this a little bit deeper Mm. so went back had the surgery and that's the scar that you see was the initial biopsy because once it comes back melanoma they got to take a good chunk of it's a big scar chunk of skin that's right so and then they also um, went to look for the sentinel node. Um, that's when the cancer spreads, and if it spreads in melanoma, it goes to your lymph nodes. Oh, wow. So sh- lo and behold, they checked the sentinel node under my right armpit, and it had traveled. So now it's uh, stage three melanoma. And so um, now they got to go and take all. They're like, they don't mess around when it comes to this stuff. So they just took every single lymph node out under my right arm, which – you know lends itself to other host of problems so you go from yeah trying out with the national rugby team having one of the best camps you've ever had there thinking i'm on the precipice of this and i actually made the team because as soon as i came back they had me join the tour and i went to hong kong and china and played in beijing but i just still wasn't right but i'd i'd made the team like i'd done well enough with the coaches like yeah sight unseen bring him out so you made the team. <clears throat> yeah, and that's the team that's now on the Olympics. It wasn't then, so that's why Kyle's teasing me about being an Olympian, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, that team now is part of the Olympics, like, as of eight years ago. Okay. So you're on the precipice. You're right there. Mm-hmm. And you go from every – you know, I've worked my tail off for this to I have stage 3 cancer. How, how old are you when you're diagnosed with stage 3 cancer? 27 so you lose everything i guess you get a girlfriend out of the deal right i had a girlfriend yes so you had a girlfriend so all your hopes and dreams dashed you're and now she's having to help me with my medical issues i got tubes coming out of my armpits it's mm-hmm. in a, you know draining in a ball it's just disgusting any chance she so was a she, nurse she was not a nurse really wonderful person but you know she was used to this fun loving guy yeah you know bulletproof and now she's having to like help me you know there was times where she had to help me you know after surgeries you know, yeah she has to help me pee in a bottle you know because i can't get up and go to the bathroom so it was a big dose of reality for her wow and so that's just way too much to ask of any you mm-hmm. know, young lady so um six months later as soon as i started to come out of it she's like i'm out see ya so i think there's this interesting piece that if you don't hurt your leg you don't get this job you don't get this girlfriend you also don't realize you don't you don't find the cancer that's just it and thank you i always forget that part because i you know like i said Mm -hmm. i was wondering why that happened to me and then it all became clear because the doctor goes if she didn't catch this you're a goner because this is super aggressive and there's no i've never in the middle of my back as you can attest to Mm -hmm. there's no way i would have ever gone no it could have just boiled into a volcano before I would even thought about it. So I would, so she basically saved my life because I broke my leg in Chula Vista. Cause otherwise I would have been playing rugby abroad somewhere trying to get a, you know, planet. I would have got, a oh, pro, yeah. I would have got a pro contract somewhere else. And that, that would have, that'd have been it for me. So yeah, it all kind of ties together kind of neatly in that regard. But you still have to deal with uh, being a 27 year old now single because your girlfriend left you, like, you very generous saying, hey, no one signs up for that. Uh, well, how did that impact 
your not only your physical health but your mental, emotional, spiritual health. Go losing your <coughs> girlfriend, losing your health, losing rugby, losing all of it. Where did that take you? Well, I, I had my uh, career, but I was w- it was really ironic because my career was starting to take off, and the first time in my life I was actually starting to make you know some decent money, which was a lot for me back then, you know. And so I had all this money, but it was I never felt so empty in my life. And, um, and that is why I want to shout out to anybody who has ever experienced any sort of depression or especially on a large scale, like if you lose a loved one or, mm-hmm. or God forbid, a child, you are literally my hero. Mm-hmm. You literally wear a cape because I just got a taste of depression and it is the worst thing ever huh. because you literally have lose your ability to have joy and that is just the worst thing and so yeah I was just uh and I was too macho you know I never like cried or anything but it was just deep and I was just trying to hide it and to, I was doing all sorts of stupid things <laughs> to try to like what kind of stupid things um I you know I I went up with some buddies and decided running with the bulls was a good idea. Okay. I signed up for a tough man competition. Like what's know. a tough man? Is that like world's strongest man? Sort of, but it's for uh, like inbreds that like to fight each <laughs> other. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like, like going back to your Quincy days. Yes. And I was very well equipped for, you know, growing up in Quincy, but yeah, you just basically sign up and you put on gloves and headgear and you just, and they don't, you don't know who you're going to fight and they just point, you know, somebody in your weight and, could be somebody you're talking to in the backstage and you go out and you like gladiators and you just get after it and try and knock each other out yeah dude so all sorts of stupid it's like my I freshman think. dorm in college yeah. um okay so you're depressed and you're trying to do all these things running with the bulls uh, doing all of this it's interesting you talk about you know being macho you, you're kind of hiding it uh one of the things i learned along the, the way again i'm not a mental health professional but uh, that women are diagnosed at a higher rate than men, but tragically, men are more likely to take their own life. And uh, the pu- the public health folks have s- speculated that the reason that is is because women actually talk about it, get diagnosed, try and go through treatment, go to the connection, whereas men try to hide it, overcome it, mask it, and eventually gets to a point where they're like, oh, I can't beat depression because they're not willing to talk about it and admit it. None of my friends knew that I was depressed. Really? Nobody. Really? Yeah, and I would look at myself in the mirror and be like, will you pull your head out of it? And I was trying to give myself yeah. pep talk. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Hmm. Like, come on, snap out but of it. But the self-talk didn't help. The, uh, no. No. Uh, so how'd you eventually get out of it? So um, I'm in a, I was at work down in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And, you know, faking it for all of them, you know, all the work people, you know, pretend you're happy. And I Fake go, it till you know, make it. yeah, that's it. And I'm just like, I, you know, gave myself a pep talk in the mirror going, you're so pathetic. Like, snap out of it, stupid God. And uh, anyways, I can't hide it. I'm just depressed, like sitting there like, oh, I guess I'll breathe now. <sighs> you know, like that kind of depressed. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, how all those hotels have Bibles in the uh, oh, yeah. top shelf. Yeah, the so Gideon like, Bibles. That's it. So I open it up and just pop the thing open and just like you set it up at the beginning uh there's that verse sticking right out at me is the first thing i look to and i flip right to it and that's psalms 34 18 and the lord is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit and i was like huh it's almost like you know he's talking to me like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> almost like, like it yeah. <laughs> yeah all the verses i was like well that's kind of a coincidence so i just started to pray 
really just started to pray on that verse. And uh, this is where things get weird, but all of a sudden um, I experienced true euphoria and I, and I was in a dark hotel room and I realized when people say they see the light. It's not just an expression and every, the, the whole room lit up with light and I was totally euphoric, like nothing you could imagine. Um, better than any sort of drug or anything you can imagine. It was just like the Holy Spirit was in me and it was, it was real. And I just didn't want it to go away, Kyle. I just, mm. I just pray, please don't go, please don't go. And it didn't, it stayed with me and I would sleep and it was there and I'd wake up and it was there and it went all through the night. It was incredible. It was maybe the best night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an incredible night. So, um, but it comes with a caveat, like the next day, and why I'm here to tell you and your audience why I'm probably the biggest coward that you know is because anybody else I feel like would have been like a hardcore Bible thumping, you know, 100% all in it. And I just didn't know how to make that transition. And I didn't know, like, because everybody knew me one way and uh -huh. not necessarily another. So um, I just kind of reverted back to my old ways. And wow. yeah, and then slowly the depression came back. So you have this life changing encounter with God. Yeah. But you have no people, no community, no one to help you live into it, and you just go right back. I to didn't know. How, I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, it was. I was like. And then you're back in the depression again. It slowly just seeped right back in. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And that's why I was like, you know, you're such. A, I feel like anybody else that would have felt that would have had that kind of privilege to feel like the Holy Spirit at that level would have just been all in. Not me. I'm too stupid. I know you're saying you're you're too stupid. Um, there's a lot of folks in the Bible who have supernatural experiences with God and then go on as though nothing happened. Okay. Thank and you. so you you are not you are not alone in that. Um, so then what happened? You're back in the depression and then what? Oh, I just kind of knew that I accepted that I needed it for my spiritual growth and I just needed to work on me and I need to get it out of L.A. because, you know, dating L.A., you know, girls and everything's just so superficial down mm -hmm. there. Not to say there's not wonderful people down there, but yeah. I, I couldn't find I actually went to parties, uh, a party at Hugh Hefner's mansion, you know, and I, I was, you know, living it up down there and mm -hmm. never been more unhappy. Wow. Yeah. Everything so the world says this is a good life and you're living it like this hated is horrible. It. Yeah. Go, imagine going from no stoplights to 405 traffic. <laughs> <laughs> like for work. You know, <laughs> just shoot me. And I was like, hey. And I let him know I need to transfer. I got to get you know closer to home. I can't do this. Yeah. The four or five, 405 freeway takes four to five hours to get anywhere. That's right. Uh, shout out to all of you. Uh, Oh, yeah. Incredible people folks. with patience. Yes. Yeah, great patience yes, and no cool. road rage. Uh, so you're like, I got to get out of here. I need to change, right? Uh, right. Th the thing I love about what you're saying is, uh, I don't know if I love this or hate this, but the spiritual, the supernatural miracle wasn't enough. There had actually had to be more. I feel like there's someone who's like typing me some hate mail right now just for saying that out loud. But you realize something else had to change. Uh, totally. So what, what, what gave? Uh, um, I just knew that I wasn't happy. So I just needed to kind of get back to my roots mm -hmm. smaller, you know, and I just needed to kind of work on me. And so, um, as I was going to move up here, um, I went, you know, Catalina had some family out there. I was out at Catalina and I ran in, uh, to, 
the pastor over at, yeah, Ray Johnson over at uh, Bay, over at Bayside, yeah. Bayside, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, we have a little church, and I still have a little card he gave me in 2007. He said, yeah, we got a little church, and he gave me the flyer, and he says, yeah, come see me if you're moving to Roseville. That's where our uh, church is. And I was like, oh, perfect. And so, um, yeah, when I moved here, then I saw that he had more than a little church. It was, you know, a pretty big deal. And yeah. So that's where I went to church. It was before it was mega center like yeah. it is now, but in 2007, it was really cool. Oh, yeah. It was, it was probably already 5,000 plus it in 2007. Yeah. So I got to, like, kind of work on my, you know, faith and my spirituality there. At, and, mm-hmm. and he was really helpful in that. Wow. So, yeah. And it's interesting you talk about that's actually uh, the sermon I'm working on for this Sunday is how influential our, our friends are, the voices that we allow to shape us. And um, talk about, hey, when the voices down there are, you know, at the Playboy Mansion or maybe your, fr- your, your friends at the party, a little different than having uh, folks full of wisdom and life experience uh, teaching you how to live mm-hmm. what the Bible calls, you know, the good life, you know, the blessed life, the happy life. Um, so I'm getting into my sermon already. Uh, so then your life changes. Okay, now I met you because you always bring your two kids. You sit the same place in the service, front row. Your wife's there. How, so I knew you mm-hmm. as, as a family man, not as a pseudo Olympian uh, meathead. Like, what's the? Sorry, that was supposed to be a joke. It wasn't no, funny. No. Uh, how how did you and your wife meet? So um, my wife, when I moved up here, my nea- my cousin Neil, he uh, went to school in Susanville, which isn't too far from Quincy, mm-hmm. and he was, uh, you know, they were classmates with my wife. And so when I moved here, he goes, "Oh, you know who lives in uh, Sacramento is Ronnie." And I said, "Awesome, can I, you know, give me your number? <laughs> I'll cold yeah. call her." He's all no way. Because he's like, she's my Mount Everest. Really? Yes. Really. And so now I had to meet her. So Ronnie has like a like a good reputation in this like in. Yes. All right. She's okay. Yeah. So I'm like now I'm intrigued more just to make my cousin mad, but yeah. <laughs> so more than I like Ronnie, and more I want to make uh, right. my cousin so upset. I ended up winning her phone number in a game of one-on-one basketball. And so he had to give me her phone number, and I cold called her, and if you know my wife she's not really receptive to like strange guys calling her that she doesn't know and she's like basically just hung up on me so i had to move some chess pieces around the board my roommate at the time i set up with her sister and now we have friends in common and so like a year later uh, she needed help moving and she just broke up with her uh, boyfriend and i was kind of seeing somebody at the time so i wasn't really my intentions weren't what they were before to make my cousin mad and uh so we moved her furniture in and she said you know thank you very much sorry i was a jerk to you i said it's all forgiven but let's go out and you know grab something to eat or you know have a while you've got a girlfriend yeah but like as friends so it's like her sister and everything it wasn't like a girlfriend it was just somebody i was seeing friends i wish you could see my eyes rolling at ryan right now (laughs) i was in my 20s for the record not that that's any excuse but yeah so we go out and she's like, no, I, I can't. I'm, you know, I got all this stuff to clean up because she's super clean freak and she had to get her new apartment set. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but I'm going to take your couch and I'm going to put it back on the front lawn. <laughs> and I meant it. And she's like, because, you know, she'd have been, yeah. she ignored a few calls a year ago. So yeah. I, fe- I felt like she owed it to me. So we went out and uh, a couple weeks later, she, uh, we went on our first date to dog park. And when she saw my dog, she started chasing me around because I like I'm a dog trainer and this dog was 
it could do everything. It got me beers out of the refrigerator, Frisbee dog. And so then she was like, uh, I think she was intrigued after she met. Dog. I think she loved the dog and I kind of came with it. Mm. So, yeah. So she basically ended up winning me over because she was a super genuine and um, humble and like, you know, she, you know, from Susanville and a good person. And uh, yeah, I totally ended up falling in love with her. I love it. Yeah. Now you got two kids. How old are your kids? So Raymond is nine and Nicolette is eight. Okay. Yeah. So Raymond turns 10 this month. So the other part, um, we decided to, you know, I'm going to church over at um, Bayside and we decided to go, you know, I, I proposed to her in Alaska and, uh, you know, we decided we're going to make a real run at this. And so we take a class for, you know, people that are, Mm -hmm. engaged and looking to get married and we went to michael baggett's class and mm -hmm. that's how where i met michael ended up marrying us and you know he basically said okay you know here's the things you got to do it's it's not all cracked up to be and he's just kind of breaking it down he's like and one of the things if you want the lord to bless your marriage is no premarital sex so he you know basically drew the line in the sand he's like you know if you're going to honor god do it right hmm. you know so and as, as as a guy who used to party at the Playboy Mansion, this was probably not your plan. It it was difficult, you know, but he he wasn't um, he didn't mince words. He was pretty clear about it. So we decided we wanted to do that. We wanted to see if the Lord would bless our marriage, and we wanted to kind of do that and kind of save each other from that point on. That's awesome to the, to the marriage. So yeah, good for you. So that happened, and. Um, so the second part of the, uh, I guess the, the testimony comes, we were getting ready for the marriage and I'm making it, you know, a real run at becoming more spiritual and, yeah. and, and becoming more spiritually mature and, and getting to know Jesus. And we're setting up for the wedding and we, I had a cabin at the time up at Bucks Lake and that's where we we're going to get married. I had a built a dock out on the pond on Bucks Lake and it was going to, that's where we're going to get married. And so lots to do as you're getting ready for your own wedding. You got to fix everything up. Everything's got to look really nice. So we go to bed that night and, you know, fully platonic at this uh -huh, stage, you know, uh -huh. so, you know, this is her Keeping side. Keeping it PG. That's right. So this is her side, this is my side. And I fall asleep. And this is going to sound really weird to everybody, but um, what happened was in my dream, um, it was kind of like the judgment day had happened. Yeah. And I was getting, and what had happened was I was like in my dream, I was going to a concert and I saw this person on stage and my first reaction was, it was really tough to look at this person and, and I, and I wanted to like look away. And, and then I th said to myself, you know, that could be Jesus in disguise, you know, have a little bit of empathy here. And then right then I got sucked out of my own body and into the clouds. And then I realized that, oh, my gosh, this is judgment day. And I was looking at Jesus across from me, I don't know, a little bit further than you're sitting now, maybe eight feet away. And he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and we're just sitting there looking at each other until it becomes somewhat uncomfortable. <laughs> like I'm like, because I know what's happening. He's judging my soul and, uh -huh. he's, and he's looking at me. And so I broke the, the silence in when you're in that you're not necessarily verbally but you say to jesus yeah. you know with your mind yeah i said i said jesus i love you so much and his reply was he looked at me and he said that's what everybody says right now 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like straight out of a sitcom. That's what everyone says right now. That's what it, you know, because they know it's judgment day. Mm-hmm. And he says, everybody says that right now, you know, during their judgment day. Uh-huh. And so right then I woke up, but um, I was awoke. But when I had got pulled up into the clouds, I lost all of my breath in my lungs. Hmm. Like if you ever had the wind knocked out of you, but I didn't really feel the need to breathe. I just wasn't breathing for a really long time. So now I'm awake and not breathing for longer than I've ever gone without breathing until finally I got scared and I forced myself to breathe, even though I didn't need to, I forced myself to breathe because I'd never gone that long without breathing. So I took the deepest breath you could possibly imagine, filled my lungs back up with air. And I was just like, Whoa, that was intense. And I woke up Ronnie like, you won't believe what happened to me. And she's like, shut up. I'm sleeping. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, that was so intense. Couldn't believe it. But the message was received. Like, pick a line. Like, he basically drew a line in the sand. He's like, are you with me? Are you against me? You can't keep going back and forth. Mm. And that was basically my entire life. You know, it was I'd use him as a convenience point, but it wasn't really for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. You're like a vending machine. Whenever you need him, yeah. put your c- prayer tokens in. Say, God, this is what I need. And God was saying, no, th- that's not the way this works. Right. You're all in or you're all out. And he said it to me firsthand. So, again, now I've had two major yeah. encounters. So, you know, that was in, you know, 2009. And then how did you decide, hey, I want to be all in? So, you know. I had already, we'd already kind of d- did that pledge to each other where yeah. we're, you know, not practicing pre-metal sex. But what yeah. I needed to do was to let everybody know, you know, that I was, you know, a Christian first and foremost. Yeah. And then I was pledging my life to Jesus. Hmm. So on my wedding day, um, I, I said the prayer and it meant a lot to a lot of people, sp- you know, specifically my rugby coach, oh, uh, yeah. Chris Byrne. He, I told you he was instrumental in my life, but I ba- basically said, I'm giving my life to Jesus first and foremost. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with Jesus, I I have a chance to be the type of man that my wife deserves. And so I'm very proud to say I've been uh, monogamous ever since. And I'm really proud of that. And most people are like, yeah, yeah, stupid. You're supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so, yeah, it's been great. I think that's awesome. As I hear your story, the thing that sounds out loud and clear is you have no idea how one thing is going to impact the next. You had no idea how growing up in Quincy would shape you. You had no idea how being part of that football team would then get you to rugby. You had no idea how rugby would change your life twice, once by be pursuing professional uh, or borderline Olympic rugby, and mm-hmm. then a broken leg, you think, ends your career. It actually saves your life. Saved my life. Um, all of these things, again, these encounters with God, you have no idea how it's going to shape you. The first one, like, oh, this is going to change everything. It's I don't want to say it changed nothing. That's a little too strong. Uh, but all of these events you've had, you had no idea how it would change your life. And again, even that pledge that uh, you and your wife made to each other before you got married and then you know, the pledge you've taken uh, and now the life you guys live, I know you could never have imagined it. So Well, it didn't change overnight, but what it did was it planted a seed and then that seed slowly took root and started to grow and form you know, and, and I'm still growing. I'll be the first to tell you, yeah. you know, I'm a uh, long ways to go, but I'm just constantly working on it. It's like a, like a practice. Yeah. Doctors say it's a practice and you're constantly practicing and you got to stay up 
It's like when you were playing rugby, like, hey, my whole life is committed to this, right? And right. if uh, you really want to be at the top of your game, uh, it takes work, it takes effort, uh, it takes sacrifice, it takes focus. And uh, again, and here not he- I don't hear you saying you're perfect, but I hear you saying, I'm trying to do it better than I did it last time. That's most, yeah, I'm trying to be better each day and grow in my faith. And there's a lot of people, yourself included, that are really instrumental in helping me grow and to see different things. And um, yeah, every every week listening to you is outstanding. And so, um, I lo- you know, this now I consider Life Community my home. Mm. And, you know, I shopped a long time for a lot of different churches. Uh-huh. A lot of them are outstanding, but this one's the first one that we've really considered called home since um, I moved up here so thanks for everything that you're doing and your oh, team thank you I mean you really do you feel like part of the family okay one more thing I, I didn't I don't plan this part but it was interesting you told <coughs> me that uh, it was a part of a sermon that I almost didn't say that really got to you I was we're doing a series I forget what we're even talking about and I remember there's like oh, I wasn't gonna say this and Pat Hart not Pat Hart, uh, Scott Hart uh, who is also power but Scott Hart one of our leadership team members said Oh yeah, say it! You know, he yells out from the congregation, like, <laughs> and I said, uh, "You can uh, something like you can like sleep on, you know, you can sleep at my house, you can eat my food, you, you know, you can essentially live in my house, but until you start doing chores, you're not really part of the family." Yeah. And you said that really stuck out to you, which I almost didn't say because it feels, yeah, you know, it's kind of a jerk jerk it statement. But you said it's, it it had an impact on you. What was the impact it had, and then how did that change things for you moving forward? Well, it. it that's always a touchy subject, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't have to tell you as a pastor, but I'm sure uh-huh. like when you approach tithing, a lot of people will shut off immediately yeah. as soon as you talk about For the record, I was talking about uh, giving or serving, not giving. Yes. But yeah, I do know that But I was using that as an example. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's one way that people shut off and the other one is what you brought up is, yeah. you know, helping out and, and mm-hmm. pitching in and mm-hmm. basically doing chores. Yeah. You know, helping out however you can because this is this is our family and and I had already decided that this is where I wanted to be and to bring my family and this is what the kids are going to know as we grow up after shopping many, many churches and just being visitors. And then Kyle came at me with that speech. (laughs) I'm like, all right, this is, I guess I need to, you know, get more involved in whatever that looked like. I didn't know. And then, um, this is off topic, but, um, I was feeling guilty because I'm a CCW Uh holder. And then that's concealed carry permit for those of you who aren't in the, the, never mind. I was going to make a political joke. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, that's a yeah conceal and carry permit. That's right. And I wanted to just be transparent and let people know, hey, by the way, this is this okay that I have this? Uh-huh. And um, I think his name's Stefan. Just was like, absolutely. Matter of fact, come meet. And then they just brought me in, and now I'm part of the security team because they're looking for people that are CCW and security team. So now a couple times a month I get to walk around with a walkie-talkie and an earpiece in, and I have to kind of look around and get to play the watchdog role. I love it. I love our, our security team. They always look like they're part of the Secret Service because yeah. they got that thing in their ear, and I just love it. Yeah, So, but it, get, it lends itself where I get to meet additional um, you know, men in, mm. in, the, in the family here and just continue to, to grow with everybody. Mm. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you being part of the family. I, I I appreciate you sharing your story with us. And uh, friends, for those of you who are uh, listening, if you want to get in touch with Ryan, we'll just put his uh, contact information in the show notes here. Please send him a message. Let him know how he's encouraged you. If there's anything else you want to talk about, uh, he's an open book. He's a good guy. I'd love to chat with you. So we'll link that down in the show description notes. Again, 
as you heard this, I, hear, I hope there was something you said, I relate to that, and I hope in some way you said, God maybe is working in my life too. Uh, if this has been helpful to you, please uh, rate and subscribe. That helps with the algorithm stuff that I don't understand. And if, there's, if this reminds you of anyone, please uh, share this with a friend. Share it on social media. The best compliment you could ever give us is help get the word out. We want to help encourage other folks as they're going through a lot of the same struggles many of us have. So thanks for your uh, courage, your humility, uh, your ability to talk not only about your successes, but also your failures and how God has brought you through that. Yeah. So a final thought. Please. Um. Yeah, if you just trust in him and do uh, what you want, he will bless your life completely. And I, I can't even tell you how he's blessed my life. And I'm totally humbled by it and just almost embarrassed by how he's blessed me by just because I've put the ball on his court and he's done more for me than I could possibly imagine. So if you're on the fence, um, I would hope that you might consider this and, and, and step on and just really get to know Jesus Christ because he's just everything that is the truth yeah. you're ready to preach man you <laughs> want to preach this Sunday <laughs> no thank you <laughs> I'm too busy who would do security not <laughs> who would you, do security not you. I, was doing it. I gotta keep the children safe so thanks for keeping the children safe thanks so much for sharing man yeah. I love you this has been a blast thanks Kyle appreciate All right. it friends thanks for listening we'll see you soon